Welcome back to Two Dudes Watch Cartoons, the podcast where two dudes, that's us, watch cartoons. My name is Evan. And my name is Alex. Thank you again for joining us. Another podcast, another cartoon that we're watching. Uh, Today, we're covering the Pixar animated movie. Came out just this year. It's called Luca. It's brand new. When did it come out, Evan? I'm not even sure. Uh, It came out June 18th. Brand new. Yeah, we're recording this in July. Also... As of this record, our uh, our podcast is now one year old. Yeah, woo! Um, so we've been at it for a little bit. How do, how does that make you feel? Well, it makes me feel good because for those who don't know, me and Evan tried to podcast for a few years before we actually even got this off the ground. Same concept, just covering cartoons, but we were novices. We tried a couple different formats, uh, audio, tried a bunch of different things. It didn't work out. But a year ago, we dropped our first official podcast, and we've been going strong ever since. And it's been fun. I'm glad we've been able to get a year, and here's to uh, many more to come. Mm -hmm. So, Luca, Pixar's newest film. Set uh, on the Italian Riviera in like the 50s slash 60s, uh, there's this young boy, Luca, who is a sea monster. Yeah. And he's very curious about the world above water. You were saying that for the first portion of the movie, you were a little maybe skeptical. And I kind of I felt the same way because at a glance, this felt very much like it seemed like it was doing The Little Mermaid or doing... Yeah. Yes. Ponyo or... It didn't feel original. It it just felt like, uh, pardon the pun, it just felt like water that has been tried before. (laughs) Good one. Um, That's good. That's good. (laughs) Thank you. I'm very happy to report that it's like very much a different movie, a different story. It is more of a coming of age tale than I would say Little Mermaid is. Totally agree. I don't know. What, what What are your general impressions of the movie? I... This is weird to me that this is actually our first Pixar movie that we've covered. Because for me, Pixar is either 110% the best animated film in generations, or sometimes it feels a little uninspired, unoriginal. Like Pixar threw up a similar idea with a different theme in it. Mm -hmm. So this to me, when it started, what I think I said to you was, if the movie is about two hours For 40 minutes, the first 40 minutes, I just was not that sold. But after it, I really loved it. I really loved the whole thing as a whole now. And I really loved the ending of it. I teared up a little bit. It made me emotional. And I I think what was so great about it is I didn't see that coming. This is a little odd for me. I'm actually like fresh off watching it. I don't know. I've podcasted as fresh off watching something. I mean, I watched it just a couple hours ago. I finished it. And so all my thoughts here are super fresh, which is kind of fun. I'm kind of into it. Like, this is my first time talking about it, uh, which is not normal. Usually I've dissected things that we've watched over and over and over again. So for me, part of the journey, like you said, was this beautiful coming of age story where I thought it was going to be very similar to things that we have seen. I thought it was going to be like, Oh, I can tell where this is going, but they had a nice spin on it. It was so Luca's our main character. He's a sea monster and he wants to go to the, to the surface world. And he has like daydreams of the boats above the surface. And he's scared. His mom has made him scared 
scared to go too far away from home, which is like a pretty common thing. I think every mother is a little overprotective and scared of the unknown, but that like makes it all the more enticing when your parents are like, no, no, no. You're just like, oh my God, that's the only thing I want to do now. Mm -hmm. And so overall, this movie was like super relatable, even though it was about like a sea monster and, and whatnot. But I enjoyed this movie much, much more than I thought I was going to. I'm really glad that we're covering it. Um, I would agree with you in that it doesn't feel like a Pixar film. Because when I think of a Pixar film, I'm thinking very abstract things like Soul or Inside Out or WALL-E or Up. Such distinct stories that they usually tell. And then there's kind of the more family-friendly movie-going experience like a Toy Story or a a Finding Nemo. Maybe even a Cars was Cars. Yeah, Cars is Pixar, Finding Nemo. Yeah. Franchise. Yes. Yeah. A little more milking the money cow franchises. <laughs> and one of my first thoughts, I was a little almost underwhelmed. I, I felt like this was a story that DreamWorks or uh, whatever the studio that does like Minions. Yeah. I, like, I feel like one of them could have pulled it off. But then once you get into the the heart and the meat of the story, the 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 animation studio that it reminded me more of was actually like Studio Ghibli. Yes. Uh, which usually is, you know, tells these stories about, you know, people being plucked out of their small towns and, and being thrown into the, these wondrous new worlds. And what? Oh, my God. It's like. The opposite of like Spirited Away, where Uh she gets taken from her normal everyday world and plucked into this mysterious fantasy world. But Luca is in the mysterious fantasy world and he wants to join our world. And that's what makes all these little comedic moments (laughs) so great is like he's discovering human culture for the first time, almost akin to an alien. Oh, my God. And there's heavy space themes in the movie. Wow. It's like really I like I said, I'm fresh off watching this, so I'm like still digesting it as we're talking about it. You and me. Yeah, I don't think it's uh, unintentional. I read somewhere. So the the little Italian town that it's set in is called Porto Rosso, which is beautiful. I think an homage to a a Ghibli film called Porco Rosso. Knowing that fact that basically the greatest Western animation studio doing an homage, telling a story in the style of one of the most storied and famous uh, Japanese animation studios in Studio Ghibli is amazing. It's like watching your favorite artists, co- like musicians cover each other, like yeah. do cover songs of each other. It's it's so cool. And yes, it's like Spirited Away in that it, uh, it plucks you out of like, a, or is, it's like the opposite of Spirited Away where it plucks you out of this like, fantastic underwater world and then puts you into a small town on the Italian Riviera. And I think that's what makes it gives it this very romantic, nostalgic feel. Yes. I was nostalgic for Italy. I've never lived in Italy in my life. Mm -hmm. And and setting it in that time period and at at that like age range, Luca is like in his teens or something where he's just discovering himself and it comes through in the colors and like the 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 animation, the yeah. design of the whole world. It's just it's like this little vignette of life in an Italian town, and it's so great. Uh, before we go too far, I do want to set the stage of who the characters are, who's behind the movie. So we, we talked about Luca. He's our main character. He's a young 
uh, sea monster who's curious about the world above water. And his parents have warned him to stay away from there. And the parents are played by Jim Gaffigan. Oh. Caught me by surprise. And the mother is also played by Maya Rudolph. Oh, my God. Who does a fantastic job. Who also played the mother in um, Mitchell's vs. the Machines. So she's just on a streak right now. She's doing great. Wow. I didn't recognize any of the voices. Yeah. Perfect for the role. Luca is voiced by... Jacob Trembley, who is the kid from Room with Mm -hmm. Brie Larson, which won an Oscar a couple years back. He's been in some stuff. Um, And then our second main character uh, is, what what is his name? Alberto. Alberto. Alberto is a sea monster that Luca runs into, and he is like, the cool street smart kid, if that makes any sense. He goes to the surface quite often. And that is mm-hmm. where Luca gets introduced to surface life. And we get introduced, us and Luca get introduced to this cool concept that when the sea monsters go on land and they dry off, they look like humans, which is fun. And I like that we don't spend on a lot of time like why or what is happening there. I just like that it's happening and we move on from it. <laughs> Like, I didn't want to get caught up in that. I just like that, hey, they're Uh human when they're dry. And it has a lot of funny moments because when they get wet, they look like sea monsters again, even when they're above the water. He's played by Jack Dylan Grazer, who was in Shazam. If you've seen it, he plays Freddy. Yes. uh, The sidekick to Billy Batson. You know, his voice reminds me. Sokka. Sokka. It literally, as soon as I heard him, I had to look up. I go, is that Sokka? It sounded and was, it reminded me so much of uh-huh. Sokka. And that was what we covered first a year ago was Avatar, full circle, even though it's not Sokka. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then so rounding out the trio of main characters is a girl from the town of Porto Rosso, Julia, and she is voiced by Emma Berman. She does a fantastic job. Just the interplay between all three of these characters. There's Luca who's being introduced to the town of Porto Rosso, the world above water. There's Alberto who acts like he kind of knows everything, but he's mm-hmm. also, at the end of the day, a sea monster. And then there's Julia who is unaware that they're sea monsters, but she's the one who's actually showing them how to be human Mm -hmm. and how to go through life in Puerto Rosso. And how to get a Vespa. (laughs) Yes. So once they get on land, the thing driving the story is that they want to partake in this town's annual triathlon. Which, when I first heard it, I was like, please do not make this a goddamn race movie. Granted, the climax is... (laughs) partly a race but i was like please tell me this is not a race movie luckily it was not about like while the race race, no it's not it's not a race movie like i was like please do not let this be who crosses the finish line first i would have been so mad if it literally just came down to like speed Uh as the climax but luckily that's not what we get here even though the race and the triathlon is a big part of the plot Yeah, that's the that's the journey. That's the the goal they're striving towards is to win this triathlon. Um, and Luca and Alberto's motivations are that they want to win some money so they can get a Vespa. Whoop, whoop. It's a cute it's a cute premise. I don't know. Vespas are tight. I want a Vespa now. I can see how like 20, 30 minutes into the movie, you're like, this is what the movie is about. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's, I was like, okay, what are, what are we 
we getting here? But it gets so much. It's yes. it's fantastic. If, if you're one of the people <laughs> like me, where in the beginning it wasn't catching you, and I was only watching it because we're recording a podcast later this evening about it, stick with it. I promise it it is like so worth it towards the middle and the ending. It's really, really good. And we're trying mm-hmm. to do this first part here without giving too many spoilers away. So if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it. Don't listen to our second half of this where we're going to talk spoilers. Yes. Because I'm telling you just there's some really surprising and shocking moments, both in good and like shocking ways. I don't know how to describe it. Like they do a really good job of building these characters. And even mm-hmm. though it looks like it's going to be kind of a normal run-of-the-mill <laughs> racing movie. It turned out to be so much more heartfelt and like yes. have such a, a deeper uh, emotional impact than I was expecting when I first tuned in. And that's really Pixar's strength, right? Is, yeah, it is, is. doing these movies that just tug at the heartstrings. Like no one does it like them. They're still getting me. I'm 28 years old. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. They've been, I was like crying at Toy Story 2, 3, 4. And well, 4 just came out. Don't tell anyone I cried in Toy Story 4. That was <laughs> I haven't seen that. And then they're making stuff nowadays that's still soul. And this, they still tug at my, in, they tug at my heartstrings. It's wild. They're really good at what they do. Yeah. So, so wildly different than something like soul, right? Soul is this abstract contemplation and meditation of life and death and purpose. And then this is, it's like a a buddy bike racing movie. And you're like, I want to get into the buddy aspect of this all with you after. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And just the emotional punch of it. It's Mm -hmm. uh, like compared to other Pixar movies, it's such a smaller scale. The stakes are, they're like low. A microcosm of life in this small town in this specific time. Yes. The specific friendship dynamics between these three kids. On a meta scale, Pixar-wise, I, I feel like it's a departure from what we knew growing up. Toy Story, Cars, all that. What I will say is maybe the John Lasseter era. Sure. Because I know he left the studio for like problematic behaviors. I know he had a departure. I don't know what it was for. <laughs> Yeah, and so I think it is neat to see that play out in like a story way, how Pixar is paving the way for its future, telling different kinds of stories, but also doing what they do so well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's let's dig into the story. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. We are going to be talking spoilers from this point on. So whew, there's so much. OK, let's start with Luca and Alberto meeting. I mean, that's what starts the whole story, right? And so when Luca gets on land, he starts spending more and more time on land with Alberto, who Alberto is a sea monster who now lives on land in like an abandoned uh, tower, which is, it's a cool little hideout. And when I was watching it, it felt very run of the mill to me. Now that I have finished the movie, I want to watch it again because this It's got such like a start to the summer feel. School's Mm -hmm. out, vacation, summer vacation. What's the plan? You meet a new friend. That's like such a summer activity. And you just have like a friend for the for the summer, if that makes sense. And these two relationship, they're both learning. Oh, God. Oh, my God. They're both learning the ways of the of being a sea monster. But in the human world. Oh, my God. Okay, it's so good. Sorry. (laughs) 
and they're navigating that journey together. Yeah. And it's it's cute. And they're for right now, we will say they're best buds. This is when Alberto tells Luca about the Vespa, shows him the poster, and then they spend the afternoon throwing old pieces of wood and, and you know junk and stuff, putting together one. Yeah. 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 And it's this montage where like you can see it's getting later in the day and Luca, they'll, you know, every time it cuts to a later part in the day, Luca's like, okay, but I really got to go home now. And he says that a couple times. <laughs> it's they so cut. funny. It's so relatable. Yes. Like as a kid, you know, exactly that feeling of, you know, you're supposed to go home and get home before dog. You're hanging out <laughs> with your bud. Damn the consequences. You're just, yes. you're having fun. And so this is them forming their relationship uh, and that was like the first inkling of like, okay, there's there's something here. They're getting to the core of like what friendships are at that age. I really like that Alberto, like you said earlier, is pretending to Luca, oh, I know everything about the surface world. When they're both, like I said earlier, they're both learning the ways of it together. If Luca's been on land for one, two days, Alberto's been there a couple months, I feel like. And so he's got a better understanding, mm-hmm. but he uses incorrect Italian phrases that he hears as greetings. And so he's always like, be quiet, stupid. And he thinks that's like an Italian greeting to people or like a term of endearment. It's almost like they're aliens on our planet, but they're sea monsters and they're experiencing human nature, humankind for the first time. And I love that fresh perspective look at humanity, if that makes sense. And we get that both through these two young boys and Oh, we get this beautiful coming of age story wrapped in in between it. And so the two of them, they were like kind of on the outskirts of town and they go to town to get a Vespa, which I mean, like I said, when I was watching it, I was like, this can't be what the movie is about. But (laughs) (laughs) that's just like the the trick they use to get them into town. And when they get into town, that's where like the real story starts. Yeah. Part of the development of their friendship is that uh, Alberto kind of teaches Luca how to be more confident in himself. Yes. He teaches him this little like phrase, his own motto of silencio Bruno of just like telling your, your, the little devil on your shoulder. That's yeah. giving you self doubt, silencing it is cute. They do it throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Alberto's development is more of learning to let his guard down a little bit, not having to, puff his chest out all the time yeah. and letting people in because he's very guarded and, and that's from his time being on his own. So they go into town, they meet the town bully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. No, he's just the town bully. He was such a dick though. I, it, several times throughout the movie, I was like, man, did we just have a town bully that everyone was scared of? It was it was funny because he wasn't like <laughs> unrealistic, but it was a little unrealistic at times. His name is Ercole Visconti. Yeah. Uh, and literally the Wikipedia page says the local bully of Porto Rosso. <laughs> um, he's a repeat champion of the, the triathlon, the Porto Rosso Cup. He's way older than 16. <laughs> yeah. He's like aged out of the race, but he like keeps lying about his age. He's like much taller than all the kids. He's got a bit of a mustache. Um, He's got two lackeys that just follow him, Chicho and Guido. Literally Crab and Goyle. He's got two lackeys. They're a fun trio. Um, So uh, Luca and Alberto bump into them and he's bullying them. And that's when they meet Julia. She has competed in the race before and lost. And she really, really wants to 
stick it to Ercole. She always says he's the evil empire of, or what does she say? The what, uh, He's the incarnation of the evil empire or something of the sort. She's going to take him down. And uh, she's a self-proclaimed underdog, which is always like, uh, who doesn't love an underdog? Self-proclaimed or not. Yeah. She's aware she's the underdog because everyone, yes. uh, when she wants to sign up for the race, is like, didn't you puke last year? Like, <laughs> which I would imagine, okay, just logistically. There's three legs of the race, which I think is hilarious. There's a, So it starts with a swimming portion, right? Yes. <laughs> then instead of a running portion, they have to carbo-load and eat a giant plate of pasta. You can't tell me there wouldn't be so many people puking. Everyone would puke. Oh my God, it's so funny to me. I would love to see that in real life. Like You would do well at this. I think I would. You'd yeah. be good. You're, you're like a machine. Thank you. Thank you. I hope they bring that to like Disney parks as like a thing you can <laughs> you can do. <laughs> like sign a waiver. And Enter the Luca the Triathlon. The Portarosa Cup. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's great. But so Julia is her like dream. Her goal is she needs to take down this local bully and win this triathlon, which I totally get everyone in their town comes out to see this thing. It's great. It's like Naruto wanting to become Hokage. He's going to prove to the rest of the town he's worthy of their admiration. (laughs) And I want to talk about Julia's dad, though, because he was someone that I didn't even think was going to be a semi, like an even important character. And he turns out to be one of my favorites, if I'm being honest. I don't, I can't think of his name at the moment, but he's, uh, Julia's dad is a huge, scary looking dude. Massimo Marcovaldo. Yes. And he hunts sea monsters, which that's another thing. This whole town believes in the myth or the lore that their little bay is engrossed with sea monsters. And they all love the idea of wanting to hunt one. They like romanticize it, which it's funny because there is actually sea monsters. That's part of the fun. That's why Luca and Alberto are so scared. Everyone in town, if they know they're a sea monster, they think they're going to kill them, which not a bad assumption. I do think everyone would try to kill them. (laughs) Uh, Julia's dad, Massimo. This was the probably my first hint that they were paying homage to not even Ghibli specifically, but like anime. His character design is is so anime to me. He's yeah. this huge, broad shoulder, barrel chested guy. His eyes are like non-existent. He's just ha- has this furrowed brow. Yeah, um, and he's got one arm. One arm. Yeah, which this was also a neat touch. So. He has one arm and Alberto asks him about it and he gives him this horror story. And it's like, oh, it was bitten off by a sea monster or something along those lines. And Alberto's like, oh, my God, he doesn't know what to say. And he's like, no, I'm just messing with you. Like, I was, I was born this way. And that's great. It's like a, a nice thing to show. People have commended that for showing. Um, People are born that way. It's not always an accident. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I noticed that too. It's not always a war story. It's not always some sort of accident. And he's a great fisherman. I love the scene of them fishing. I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but when the dad and the two boys are fishing and they only get like one fish, he's like, they're like, ah, not a good haul today. And Luca goes, well, it's because we're above a haunted fish graveyard. And Alberto goes, we don't think it's haunted, but the fish (laughs) think it's haunted. So we should probably go that way. (laughs) I laughed out loud at that. That was so funny when Alberto tries to backtrack. And he's like, we don't think it's haunted, but the fish do. (laughs) 
Oh man, it is such a funny movie. So Julia is is back home for the summer from school, and she's telling Luca about the stuff she's learning about astronomy, the stars, and he's really curious about it. And she gives him a textbook to keep, and so he starts falling in love with the idea of going to school. And this is where it, it sows a little bit of division among the group because Alberto has kind of a strong reaction to it. Luca's idea of going to school, he's like, you're a sea monster. You can't, you know, we're having fun right now, but you can't just go to school. I think Alberto was jealous that he wanted to go to school with Julia. I do think part of it was he was looking out for him because going to school as a sea monster is not good. But man, I hinted so much just jealousy, if I'm being honest. And that's a normal reaction at that age. You get jealous of of friends being closer to other friends. I don't think they even hinted at it. Yeah, you're a good point. Yeah. Alberto and Luca, I, I I really enjoy their dynamic is what I'll say. I mean, we can get into it right now. What what thoughts do you have? On- uh, let's get into it. I really think that Luca and Alberto had feelings for each other that were stronger than friendship. And I do think that being a sea monster was a little bit of a metaphor for being in the closet. And And so this is where this movie becomes something we really haven't seen Yes, Pixar or from really any studio before is a lot of people are viewing this as Disney Pixar's first queer movie. It's not explicitly queer or explicitly romantic between. It's not explicit. I mean, does it need to be addressed? No. You know what I mean? Does it have to be stated in such a way? Like it doesn't have to end with them kissing or something for those emotions to be real. Damn. You just changed my opinion. I was a little upset. It wasn't explicit. But Mm -hmm. I think you're right. I think it kind of normalizes it. I think it's, I mean, I think it's clear enough that these two, they're so cute. Like I said, I actually was a little upset it wasn't explicit because I was like, Disney, if you're going to do this, do it. Because I think it's, I think it's obvious enough. I think it added to the beauty of this movie because like I said, I was not expecting that. I didn't know any of that going in. It not caught me by surprise, but like a pleasant surprise. It, I was like, oh my God, these two have feelings for each other. And it it goes beyond being best friends, in my opinion. They don't explicitly say it. And when I was watching it, I thought it was handled a little poorly, but you've convinced me that they handled it pretty well. And the casualness of it is important because it's not a big deal. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, to your point, I think a lot of people are picking up on those themes. If you have a chance to read any of the reviews, like a lot of them talk about the the queer undertones uh, of the story. And there's one review, I think it was like the LA Times or the New York Times. The headline was Calamari by your name, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> oh, man. So, I've, I mean, I feel like there's maybe a couple reasons. One, these are Disney Pixar is not going to be able to do something any more explicit in the way of the story. Uh, well, well, no. Okay, now Which we're going to get to. I don't think it means they shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, this is where I have an issue. Because so I, how much South Park have you seen? South Park has like this long episode about how Disney won't do anything to piss off its Chinese audiences because Disney and Pixar makes a buttload of money from China and China. Not that this is an anti-China podcast, but they are very, very tight with censorship laws and what can be shown. And so I this was part of my problem is I thought this was Disney trying to get away with something 
without taking like a firm stance on it. And that was where I had the issue. But I think I would see I'm a little torn because I would rather they do something versus nothing. Yeah, I, I guess like it is a step forward for the types of stories that can be told on this scale at this budget to this wide of an audience mm-hmm. as incremental as it is. Is it as progressive as the majority of the world wants it to be? Maybe not. But I think for this big of a movie, I think it's a it's a small step. I agree. Two, story-wise, that was a, an emotionally volatile time. And you are just coming into your who you are Damn. as a person and just figuring that out for the first time. So I think the the ambiguity... I'm okay with it. I get that. You, you've convinced me more than, like I said, when I was watching it after, I was like, I wish they would have taken more of a, like a firm stance, but I just wanted, I, I had been beating around the bush, so I'm glad we were able to get it. Because of those underlying feelings, those unspoken uh, feelings, when we get to the third act of the oh, movie. Oh my God. The betrayal, the classic buddy movie disagreement. I really teared up when this happened. This is where the movie really hooked me. Oh, my God. It was mm-hmm. so sad. So Alberto is seeing that Luca is pulling away more and more and getting more engrossed in life above land and wanting to go to school and hang out with Julia and learn about the stars. And Alberto's like, look, that's cool, but we had this plan. Remember, we're going to win the Vespa and we're going to travel around the world together. And Alberto can start to sense that that's not Luca's plan as much anymore. And he feels Luca pulling away. And so there's this dramatic scene where Luca is scared to go down the big hill on his bike. And so Alberto's like, Silencio Bruno, and just takes him flying down the hill. And he's like really reckless with it. They're like crashing into people and things. And then they eventually fly off into the water. And they're worried that they're going to see him. And so they dry off real quick. And Julia's like, oh my God, she was worried. She saw them go into the water, but didn't see them come out. So they go around and they dry off real quick and they're fighting. uh, Luca's like, why would you do that, Alberto? Like, blah, blah, blah. And Julia comes, gives them this big hug and it's really cute and it looks like everything is resolved. You can tell there is still tension. Oh my God, they're still talking about school. Oh, this is so heartbreaking. Alberto's like, oh, but Julia, would they let non-humans into your school? Which is like a really weird question. But he goes, would they let, let's say, a sea monster into your school? And she's like, what are you talking about? And I really think Alberto did this to draw the line in the sand for Luca to be like, look, she's going to know we're sea monsters sooner or later. Let's rip this Band-Aid off. So he jumps in to show Julia he's a sea monster and... Julia screams and is like terrified. Oh my God, it it hurt my heart so much. Luca goes, ah, sea monster and points and cowers. And I'm not kidding. I audibly gasped. I teared up. I'm tearing up thinking about it again, if I'm being honest, because I didn't expect it from Luca. It was heart wrenching. It was so hard to watch. If I'm being honest, it was the emotional gut punch of the movie. Yeah, this is. I mean, maybe leading up to it, but this is really the moment that hooked me on this movie. Yeah. I mean, I was obviously sitting watching this emotionally. I could feel my knees buckle yes. when that happens because you you want to hate Luca. But at the same time, you feel for Luca. It's hard. You know, at that age, you would do anything to not stand out and just to fit in. Ooh. In retrospect, maybe I could have seen it coming 
Like this is a very classic coming of age story. Like you said, kids do a lot to fit in. And these two have a ginormous secret. They're both sea monsters. And when when Lucas sees the bad reaction from Julia, he's like, I can't endure that same reaction because he can't go home. He feels like he can't go home because he's going to get sent away with his uncle. Oh, man, it's heavy. It's really heavy when the rest of the movie had been pretty light. And it all culminates in one moment. Yeah, it socks you in the fucking gut. Um, Luca's uncle, Uncle Ugo, who lives in the deep, is voiced by Sasha Baron Cohen. You're joking. I love Sasha Baron Cohen. That's crazy. It's such a small part. Mm-hmm. His uncle's really funny. His uncle's an anglerfish, so you can see through him. He's translucent, and he keeps talking about the deep sea. And he's like, you can't see anything down there, <laughs> which is pretty great. Uh, yeah. So at this point in the, the story, the, the dream team is broken up. This is the most emotional. Uh, this is followed by. So this whole moment. So first, Luca betrays Alberto by cowering with Julia. Then they go home and freaking Bochissimo was like, where's Alberto? And they go, he's gone. He ran away. And he goes, he goes out and looks for him. And such a dad move of like. Even if he's unfindable, I have to go look. I love Massimo. Oh, Massimo. I keep calling him Mochissimo. I'm sorry. It's whatever his name is. I I loved him so much. I should know his name. The dad was such an amazing character. When Massimo was like, I'm going to go look for him. Oh, it was so goddamn touching. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Because Alberto doesn't have a dad. And he inadvertently made a new father figure without even really trying Oh my God, I'm sorry. Like I said, hi, this is fresh for me. This is the first time I'm talking about all this. Oh my Lord. It's good. It's a really good movie, guys. Go watch it again. This is why we pay Pixar the big fucking bucks. Their their writing is superb. Yeah, their writing's fantastic. While Massimo's out looking for uh, Alberto, Julia, she finds out that Luca is also a sea monster and come to find out she doesn't really have that strong of a reaction. She just face palms herself. She's like, of course, you're also a sea now. monster. That's why you guys are saying all you know this random shit and don't know how to anything works. In town. Oh, like when they call the stars fish, they're like, we're going to sleep under the fish. Oh, my God. It's so cute. Uh, yeah. I love that they just compare everything to sea life. Everything to them, that's their whole scope. That's their whole world. So he's like, yeah, and that giant fish, talking about the moon, he goes, I've touched it. It it feels like water. Oh, my God. It's so good. (laughs) Julia, yeah, like you said, she puts it together like, oh, this is why you guys don't understand everything that's going on. But then I'm pretty sure Luca takes off to, to find Alberto, and then the next day is the big race. And like I said, I would have been let down if this was just a movie about a race, but luckily this was not. And so, but the race does start and Luca has decided he's going to enter on his own, which means he has to do all three portions, swimming, eating, and bike riding, which Julia is going to do on her own as well, which how unfair is that? Let's just talk logistics. Why on earth would you have a triathlon where you can either do it in a trio or solo? What on earth sort of rule is that? Pick one or have different divisions, for God's sake. <laughs> Queer or not, let's not forget, this is a racing movie. <laughs> oh. uh, and so, yeah, the next day is the next day is the big race. Um, <laughs> See, I hate even calling it the big race. I can't stand that we just said t- the tomorrow's the big race. 
I don't want like one of the best movies of all time to have a big race. <laughs> Sorry, go on. In a long tradition of racing movies, there's Grease and then there's Luca and maybe Cars. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and and the Little Rascals. <laughs> oh, how could I forget? Little Rascals is a classic. <laughs> the best racing movie of all time. There's some Little Rascals vibes in here for sure. And so the race sets off. Everyone's in their little 50s Italian swimsuits and Luca shows up in this full old timey dive suit. It reminds me of like a Scooby-Doo villain that you would have to like the helmet. <laughs> yes, but that's also how he the suit he first met Alberto in, which I think is a nice callback at that moment. Yep. Alberto was in that suit. The tension in the scene comes from how's he going to how's he going to pull this off? Yeah, he gets back onto land takes off his helmet and just like pulls the thing over his like the the body portion of the suit over his head. He literally did like a turtle. He turtles, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then crawls under the the pasta eating table to um to dry off. And then they eat the pasta and then we get to the bike scene where in any big racing movie is obviously going to be the climax, but <laughs> Luca had just come from behind Coming up the hill, and he he passed Ercole, gets to the top of the hill. It's looking like he's going to win the Puerto Rosso Cup, but then it starts raining. And the movie does a really good job of a water droplet hitting his arm, and only that point. The animation was stunning. The color on his arm would pop, and you could see the scales. You could literally see scales. And so as the rain's coming down, he's turning more and more into a sea monster, and he gets to the top of the hill, and he's hiding out under this little balcony. So you can see the dream slipping away from him, right? Like, the it was right there within his grasp, but then it started raining. And Ercole passes him and starts laughing at him. Um, and it's uh, Luca's kind of resigned to the fact that he's going to lose now, and he, he just has to sit and hide from the rain. But who comes running up the hill? Alberto. Yeah. With... An umbrella to save the day, despite their brief falling out. You know, he's there to support him at the end of the day. As friends do. But Ercole trips Alberto. In classic fashion, he's always tripping people. And it's revealed, because there's a lot of spectators at the top of the hill. And it's not looking good for Alberto. Even Ercole's, the town bully, has stopped racing. And this is the moment Luca decides... I can't leave my friend behind again. I did it once. It was wrong. Luca comes out. And so he, yeah, I know. God damn it. He does. He comes out into the rain, full sea monster, grabs Alberto onto the bike, says Silencio Bruno one last time. And they ride down the hill together. And they're trying to avoid everyone as they're literally almost getting harpooned a bunch on the way down. They don't quite make it to the water. Which was their goal. They wanted to jump into the water. Yeah, they wanted to run away. They're just at the bottom of the hill at the at the finish line, surrounded by the townspeople, harpoons at the ready. And Julia comes to protect them. Julia comes to protect them. Also, it's the goddamn dad. He is like, nowhere in the rules does it say a sea monster can't win. And... Not Mochisimo, whatever the dad's name is. I Massimo. love him so much. He <laughs> raises their arms and he's like, 
Massimo, he's like, they're the winner. And the town starts cheering for them. <laughs> and it's so cute. And they say, town bully, get out of here. And his henchmen stand up to the town bully. It's just so much cathartic release all in one. The dad is so proud of them because the dad loves them, even though they're sea monsters, even though he hated sea monsters for so long. He came to love these boys before knowing they were sea monsters. They won. And then... um. The two old ladies, they've been sea monsters. They're very minor characters that they bump into in town several times, but they seem kind of grouchy and they call them stupido at one point and they both look at them. And in retrospect, they're probably like, God, are they sea monsters? Maybe. But it's great. It's such a great goddamn ending Uh, because it really looks like the dad is going to because this is the dad finding out they're sea monsters also. And he didn't care. He, he was so accepting of them. Oh, I love it. Before he says anything, there's this moment of uneasiness. And because he's the biggest guy in town, yeah. the best fisherman in town, everyone looks to him. They think he's going to lead the mob and, and, and put a wallop on him. Yeah. A couple of the fishermen are like, but and he just stares him down and nobody asks because nobody wants to cross Massimo. It's so good. It is so freaking good i might start podcasting a little more fresh off of watching i really like watching this and then breaking it down with you this has been so much fun for me i've like learned some things about the film i have come to realizations and thoughts i wasn't having during the movie i normally take copious amounts of notes because it's normally not my first time watching it but i was invested i really was enjoying this i wanted to watch more of it it's not going to be soon, but I'm going to show Nikki this. I'm going to show my girlfriend like this was such a good movie. So I am going to watch it again. It was funny. It was emotional. It was unexpected. I think that's a good way to put it. It crept up on me. It caught me off guard. And oh, I just loved everything about it. I, I really did. I would definitely, definitely recommend watching it again. I watched it back to back within like two days, not even maybe. It's one of the most emotional movie going experiences I've had in the past year or two. And and it really stuck with me. And it's up there for one of my favorite Pixar movies now, I'll say. I was just about to say, Evan, we need to go through and watch the Pixar movies and we should maybe rank them. Yeah. And because I would be curious where this stacks on like an all time list of Pixar movies, because there are some Pixar movies that are out of this world. I think Up is phenomenal. I think some of the Toy Story entries are mm-hmm. out of this world. Um, there's another one I'm missing. Oh, I really like Soul. I really like Inside Out. Wally. Wally. Oh, thank you. I lo- you know I love Wally. I think Pixar has some home runs. I really think this could be up there for them as one of their standouts, like in the long run. Oh, absolutely. So I'd be curious to see where it stacks up. Yeah. It's unexpected for a Pixar movie because they tell a story on such a small scale. Yeah. When we're used to to world hopping or which is not like that. Super abstract high concept this or that. Yeah. This is you're right. It's normally like personifying like toys or the cars or fish. This was like a very human story for them. Even though yes, there are sea monsters involved. That was kind of a minuscule part of the movie. It's a very very human tale it was it's really well done god i gotta watch it again damn <laughs> this has been fun yeah you should def- you should watch it with nikki soon i'm going to oh yeah 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 do you have any closing thoughts 
just uh, the denouement of the movie after the climax is. Oh, my God. Um, yes. Oh, wait. We didn't even talk about the ending. Oh, my Lord. Yes. So go ahead. Sorry. Go, go ahead. Of, go ahead. In the aftermath of the big race, uh, <laughs> Luca and Alberto and their family are at the train station to send Julia off to school. They won the money that they had been wanting to get the Vespa. They got the Vespa. Did they? Yeah, they get it. And Alberto sells the Vespa to get a ticket for Luca to go to school. And not only does he buy him a ticket, he convinces his hard ass parents to let him go to Geneva for school. Oh, my God. When Alberto was the one who said sea monsters can't go to school. It's so good. It's so Alberto's like, you got to go. This is what you want to do. Don't let me or anyone else hold you back. Just know, like, we all love you, man. And Alberto's going to stay on land and be Massimo's little fishing apprentice. He found that father figure. But it's also cute when Luca just also assumes that Alberto is going to come to school with them. He's like, uh-huh. the trio's all going. And Alberto's like, no, that's that's for you, man. I I found something else here. He says, I think Massimo needs my help. Which ah, is so- it's so good. If they do a sequel of this, I will riot. <laughs> I will riot. It's so good. I really hope they keep it self-contained. One thing I really enjoyed was, and I touched a little bit on this, the comparisons between the deep sea and space, the sense of exploration and exploring a new world to you. That's like what the space stories are about. And so the fact that they just like subtly work in a lot of love of space and and cool scenic space scenes, that was just like cherry on top. I was really impressed by that because they don't hit you over the head with that. This is a metaphor, but it's just enough that it's like, wow, really, really well done. And I think not knowing anything about the movie going in as a Pixar movie, when it starts out under the water, you see his uncle who's from the deep. You're like, oh, this is a this is a cool world. I wouldn't mind spending the whole movie here. But they like flip the conventional Pixar movie on its head. Yes. As normal as could be. It's good. It's so good. I can't. I think I've said that now 12 times. So that's like 12. So good rating. It's re- it's really good. <laughs> This might be my favorite thing we've watched on the podcast. I know why, because it was new to both of us. Most everything else we have podcast, we have we have watched before. And we were like, we want a podcast about this with a few exceptions uh, here and there. But this one was new to both of us. We didn't know much about it going in. I just saw that Twitter was showing it some love. And so. And when you recommended it, I was like, yeah, let's give it a chance. And so I, I'm i really glad we did this. And I think we should maybe do it more often where we both go in a little blind to something and um, we come on here and react to it. Because like I said, Avatar, we both had watched several, several times beforehand where we were doing, you know, we had to three hour podcast about one season. Where, <laughs> we were doing you know, essays. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but man, this was good. I can't recommend this enough. Do you have any closing thoughts on this? I really think we we covered most of this here. Yeah, I I can't stress how it, this movie put me in my feels. Uh, and, but coming out of it, I can't express how much of a feel good movie this is. It's I want to simmer, I want to marinate in 
the feelings of youth and exploration and, and friendship and just like endless opportunity yes. when everything summertime. feels possible. Like summertime is a great way to put it. This movie feels so good. It it's a comfort movie. Beautiful. It's a comfort movie. It's it's comfort food like it's a t- like it's Italian food. Oh yes, yes. It's so good. Really well done, story wise, animation wise. You know that's two things Pixar is known for. But as we talked about, this is a little break from the traditional Pixar story, and it's really refreshing. It covers some topics that you wouldn't maybe necessarily see in such a large mainstream movie. And I think it's obvious enough that, like I said, nine out of 10 people are going to pick up on the, the real story, the, the comparison to being in the closet, Alberto and um, Alberto and Luca's relationship and that time in a young person's life. Because I think you could also say while that was a part of the story, it had no part in the story too. You know what I mean? It was never directly expressed. Like you could leave that movie and not have picked up from that. And I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I think it kind of normalizes it. And I think that's important. Yes. That's just my opinion on it. And I think it was really well done. And I think a lot of people are going to love it. It's one of those things that I have no problem recommending to like anyone I see. Uh, this might be a bold claim, but I have a feeling this will be like a defining movie for kids at this time. It could be. In the way like Toy Story was my youth, I can totally see this being a standout for kids nowadays. And if you have kids, you should show this to them. Yeah. I don't have kids, but I would show it to them. Any kid I see, I'm going to recommend it to. I don't I don't see many kids. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see many kids. But I'm just going to hang out at the park and just like, hey, watch Luca. Hey, no, you. no, I'm not. Watch Luca. <laughs> it's good. Can you imagine? Oh my God, stop. <laughs> Great stuff. Really good stuff. Yeah. Can't um, can't recommend this enough. Yeah. What a beautiful film. It is streaming on Disney Plus. It is a new release, but you don't have to pay the premiere access $30 or whatever for it. So that's also fantastic. It's Correct. just on Disney Plus. I'm like Black Widow. <laughs> Go watch it. Watch this with your family. It is such a beautiful film. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed us covering this movie, you should check out the rest of our podcast. Subscribe. Yeah. Tweet us. Instagram. I don't know. Shoot. Send us a carrier pigeon. Let us know what you think about Luca or any of the other stuff. Let us know your thoughts. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And that'll do it for this episode. I'm Evan. I am Alex. Ciao. <laughs> yeah, ciao. No, what did they say at the end of the set? Yeah. Fiend. Oh, beautiful. <laughs>